means to fix their home and make these repairs. Stewart works for the Community Action Network, a local nonprofit. The group has partnered with the city of Ann Arbor to Hi, everybody. My name is Daniel Thomas Wachowski. Tune in to the local news for better weather interviews with your friends and neighbors and more on WGXC from 7 to 10 every morning. WGXC is here to start your day with democracy now at 8. Tune in weekdays to 90.7 FM to get your morning going. Wave Farm programs are made possible in part by the New York State Council on the Arts, with the support of the New York State Legislature, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, the Greene County Legislature through the County Initiative Program, administered in Greene County by CREATE, the Alexander and Marjorie Hover Foundation, the T. Backer Fund, the Joseph Family Charitable Trust, and hundreds of other generous individual donors, including WGXE's sustaining supporters, who provide critical monthly support to Wave Farms radio station WGXE 90.7 FM. Thank you. WGXE is made possible in part by the generous ongoing support of Tyler Burton of Hudson, New York. WGXE's sustaining supporters are among the station's most dedicated listeners. They care deeply about Creative Community Radio, and their investment helps to sustain WGXE as a public platform for information, experimentation, and engagement in Greene and Columbia counties. You, too, can become a sustaining supporter by going to wgxe.org slash donate. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Dim the Lights with Jenny and Amanda. I'm Amanda. I'm Jenny. Uh, can you hear me okay, Jenny? I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. Oh, that's I, wonderful. You know, we just jumped jumped right in here. Nick of time. 657, <laughs> baby, cutting it close, but we're here. Woo, uh, woo, baby. Um, this is a twice a month, every second and fourth Tuesday from 7 to 8 p.m. movie talk show where Jenny and I pick a theme and then we watch movies around that theme and then get on the airwaves to talk about what we watched. But before we get into our theme, as always, we're going to tell you about what's playing locally. And I'll start at the top of the mountain with the Wyndham Theater. We have The Flash with problematic indie darling, whatever. <laughs> Ezra, <his> Miller. <laughs> Ezra Miller. Ezra <laughs> Miller. I don't know that I would call him an indie darling anymore. He used to be. Oh, yeah, they, not anymore. He, like, yeah. grew up. It's like... Oh, well, I think they're just um, disgraced actor. <laughs> now he's just an adult actor. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, The Flash. <laughs> See it if you want, whatever. Uh, Elemental. And Transformers Rise of the Beasts. You can find out more about... These showtimes and all that at WyndhamTheater.com. That's W-I-N-D-H-A-M Theater.com. All right. And now I'm going to tell you what's playing at the Crandall Theater over in Chatham. We have also The Flash, like a whole lot of it. <laughs> and then uh, in at the end of June, going through July, we have Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, and also there's a children's musical free on Saturday, July 8th. Uh, could you hug a cactus? <laughs> and that's all. If you would like more specific information about any of those wonderful shows, uh, you can go to CrandallTheater.org. Man, I do need more information about whether or not you can hug a cactus. Can you hug a cactus? Can you? It's a great question. We'll um, have to see. <laughs> sorry, I'm messing with my little oh, you're doing, oh, yeah, that's mixer great. here. That sounds better. That sounds better, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it sure does. All right, I'm going to tell you about what's happening at Drive-In 32, otherwise known as the Greenville Drive-In in Greenville, New York, on Route 32. Um, 
upcoming on June 30th and July 1st, we have Top Gun. On July 7th and 8th, we have Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Poil. <laughs> and then on July 15th, we have The Greatest Comedy Ever Made, Airplane. Yeah, <laughs> that rules. <laughs> um, and then for Christmas in July, on July 22nd, we have The Nightmare Before Christmas. You can find out more about what's playing at the Greenville Drive-In at drivein32.com. Also, um, I have a karaoke event there. Oh, when's that? I have a karaoke event there on June 22nd that I found out today is open to the public. Ooh, that's exciting. If you want to read your karaoke lyrics off of the drive-in screen, you can come out. I do. That sounds very (laughs) fun. Very, very big lyrics. (laughs) All right. And now I'm going to tell you, moving back across the river, uh, what's playing down in... Uh, Rhinebeck at the Upstate Cinemas, it, uh, also known as the Star Cinema. It took Ooh. me a little bit to get there. <laughs> We're here. All right. So in Rhinebeck this week, you can expect to see National Theater Live, Good, The Eight Mountains, Blind Willow, Sleeping Woman, Sanctuary, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Ooh, the good one from the seventies. Yeah, they're having a whole um, like alien themed oh, series. So right fun. Now. Oh, I saw. I saw because Communion was playing a yeah, couple weeks ago, and I was I've like, rats. I couldn't. I was so mad. I missed rats, it. Rats. Rats. <laughs> uh, we also have still at Rhinebeck. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> the Man Who Fell to Earth. Close up. Skate dreams. You hurt my feelings. And Hilma. And then heading back to the other side of the river. Playing at the Orpheum Theater in Socrates, we have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Elemental, The Man Who Fell to Earth, Stay Awake, Pomegranates with a live original score, The Little Mermaid, You Hurt My Feelings, Moment of Contact, ooh, Mm. The Phenomenon, ooh, Mm. and Close Up, Bitter Brush with director Emily uh, Madavian in person. Uh, and if you would like to learn some more about those specific showtimes, you can head on over to upstatefilms.org. Amazing. Well, I have a couple more theaters to tell you about, including the Highway Drive-In in Cooksackie off of Route 9W. Um, so this is a four-screen drive-in movie theater. And these are the showtimes. Right now, they're still only open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So these are the showtimes and movies for June 16th through 18th. On screen one, we have The Flash and Transformers Rise of the Beasts. On screen two, we have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and Super Mario Brothers, not the live-action one. <laughs> screen three, we have Dazed and Confused and Wet Hot American so Summer. So fun. Oh, my God. I'm trying to do that. And then on screen four, we have Elemental and The Little Mermaid, you can find out more at highwaydrivein.com, and that's spelled H-I-W-A-Y drivein.com. All right. The last theater I have to tell you about is TSL in Hudson, uh, and we have playing this week Beyond the Visible, colon, Hilma off Clint. Uh, fun fact, that's the last movie I saw in the theater before COVID happened, oh. <laughs> which I actually also saw at TSL. Uh, they're bringing it back, baby. They also have... Uh, Workmeister Harmonies. Your best guess is as good as mine for what that's about. No idea. No idea. Uh, They also have The Eight Mountains, uh, Tokyo Stories, The Great Gabo from 1929, (laughs) and Limanista from 2022. And you can find out more about those specific showtimes and maybe some information about these crazy sound and movies at timeandspace.org. Gorgeous. All right. Last but not least, and also in the lovely city of Hudson, New York, I'm going to tell you about what's playing at Spotlight Cinemas, otherwise known as the Eight Screen Cinema on Fairview Avenue. Um, We have The Boogeyman, (gasps) The Machine, which I'm pretty sure is based off of a stand-up comedy story. Okay. Because I think one of my friends who likes stand-up showed me this guy telling this story and i think it was turned into a movie oh that's fun anyways the bogeyman the machine (laughs) transformers rise of the beasts spider-man across the spider verse guardians of the galaxy volume three super mario brothers movie fast x and the little mermaid those are the movies playing at spotlight cinema 
right now. You can check it out at spotlightcinemas.com and just make sure that you choose Hudson, New York in the drop down menu. Wow. It really is blockbuster season. They're out. I know. <laughs> exactly. Well, Jenny. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think it's time to tell these good people about our theme tonight. Did you take, did you bring me here for a specific reason? I thought we were just going to hang out for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what we always do. (laughs) Um, So we chose a theme tonight that we've been wanting to do for a while. It's not seasonal at all. It's, it's great for all the time. Yeah. It's a, it's a theme for all seasons. I would argue. Yep. Tonight's theme is bad doctors. Ooh, don't. Get me with that needle, mm-hmm. Do- doctor. Doctor, <laughs> I think your motives are questionable. <laughs> um, there are a lot of bad doctor movies, yeah, Jenny. Dude. There's a lot it's of overwhelming because you know, I guess we're all scared of docs. It's also, I was thinking about this a lot yesterday, and I really went down a little path in my mind, a mind path, if you will, mm, thinking about how uh, you know a lot of people argue that. Um, Mary Shelley invented horror and science fiction at the same time when she wrote Frankenstein. Uh-huh. And, you, um, you know, Frankenstein's really about a really bad doctor. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, wow, I guess I guess it all comes from there, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the, the bad doctor story is a tale as old as time. Yeah, it really is. Um, because I, I mean, it makes sense because doctors have been in human society ever since we had groups yeah, totally. lived in yeah, groups absolutely. some kind of doctor existed and it's basically somebody who has more power and understanding than the average person yeah, and totally. that's really scary it's because <laughs> they're still just a human so any human with more power can use it for good or bad it's so true. i'm sure the fear of doctors has been around <laughs> since doctors yes absolutely <laughs> absolutely um and we talked about in in shows previous how you know we always watch different movies but we've talked about watching one of the same and we did that again this time uh, should we talk about yeah. the movie we watched together yeah, first? Yeah, let's start. That's, I mean, that's what sent me down my little path of yeah. thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a very Frankenstein-like a story. A very Frankenstein-like story. Amanda and I both decided to watch 1960s Eyes Without a Face. Les you sans visage. Oui. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this movie was great. It's been on both of our lists for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's It pops up on a lot of disturbing films yeah. lists. Um, it was great. Yeah. Like, very simply put, it was a great movie. There's a reason why people are still talking about it. It was a ext- an extremely tight mm-hmm. little story. You can Perfect. see what an influence it's had on horror ever since it came out. Uh, it came out the same year as Psycho and oh. Peeping Tom. It was oh. a big year for horror. Wow, I didn't I know that. Yeah, of course. I mean, that makes sense because they're all 1960, yeah. but I've never, like, thought about it in context like that. And I think the, the other two were big blockbusters and this obviously was a mm-hmm. movie from france so the other two being american films um this was more on like an indie mm-hmm. foreign film circuit but big big year for horror yeah it was released in america uh, dubbed and under the title the horror chamber of dr faustus which, <laughs> which is so american to me because yeah. <laughs> also like it doesn't have anything to do with the move like there there is no like faust element to the movie no, at all no there's no dr faustus <laughs> yeah. um it's it's clearly just to get tickets sold. Yeah, totally. you know? It's so funny. <laughs> um, so Eyes Without a Face is about... I'm going to forget a lot of the characters' names. Do you have them all? Um, I have some. I can... Yeah. Oh, no. I got them. Yeah. All right. So this movie opens right away. It's got a little um, tinkly kind of carnival sounding oh, yeah. theme song, which is great. It opens with a uh, very striking middle-aged woman driving at night with somebody who seems probably dead <laughs> in the backseat all wrapped up with a hat over their face or something covering mm-hmm. their face um and she's driving very nervously down a road at night clearly nervous about being uh witnessed doing whatever she's about to do and what she is about to do is dump this body in the river the body is found the next day and is claimed to be the missing daughter of a very well-known doctor Dr. Genesier. Dr. Genesier. Um, (laughs) And so Dr. Genesier, uh, we learned through chitter chatter in these scenes that his daughter's been uh, missing after a horrible car accident where her face was disfigured 
And this woman seems about the right age and her face is disfigured and the doctor shows up to ID ID the body and he says, sure enough, that's my daughter, even though another guy has shown up to also ID the body, but he gets there first. He gets gets there there first. Um, and, uh, it is certainly not his daughter. (laughs) (laughs) We learn, uh, so the movie then from there goes to, we get to watch the funeral for, we get to, we we see, uh, the funeral for this doctor's daughter. Um, and he's there with, uh, the same woman that we saw earlier, whose Mm -hmm. name is Louise Mm -hmm. and a young man who, uh, we hear from an, an onlooker is the fiance of his daughter. But then we go back to his place (laughs) and we realize that his daughter is alive and she's hanging out in the house, but she's not allowed to go out. Mm -hmm. She is instead asked to wear a pretty scary looking mask all the time. Not, I was thinking a lot about Vanilla Sky, (laughs) (laughs) which is the mask in this movie looks so good. Is iconic for a reason um so clearly his daughter was a great beauty Mm -hmm. um and it we find out that she her face has been disfigured in a car accident that her father caused because he is a control freak and um clearly that uh him just like being a a a control freak on the road caused the accident. He's a reckless driver. He's a reckless driver. And she's been disfigured. And he is kidnapping young women, taking their faces, and trying to transplant them onto his daughter to give her a new face. And they have not been successful. And the most recent kidnap victim also died, which is the body that was dumped um, into the river. And so his poor daughter, whose name is Christiane, Christiane. Uh, is not allowed to not wear her mask in the house. She's kind of like a like a like a captured princess mm-hmm. is kind of like living in this tower, little tower bedroom. Um, and now, of course, she has been made legally deceased um, because the body of this other young woman has been passed off as her. So uh, she no longer exists um, to the rest of the world. Yeah. And so from there, the movie takes this turn where we get to see the way that Louise and Dr. Genesier have been kidnapping women, Mm -hmm. which is basically Louise approaches them by herself and then convinces this. So the woman that we meet is named Edna, and she convinces her to come look at an apartment to see because she's looking for a place to live. And they like meet at the theater very casually. She makes it seem like it was not targeted Mm -hmm. and then takes Edna home with her on a very, very, very long drive out to the house where Dr. Genesier is keeping his daughter. And from there, they chloroform her, kidnap her and tie her down in the basement where his secret lab. His is. secret lab is where he does all of his medical experiments on dogs. On so yes, yeah, that's, so that's another the amazing other thing detail we learned. of that movie. Yeah, he's like collects stray dogs and experiments on them. Yeah, and that's how he's doing his testing, his mm-hmm. um, graft testing. Because the other, like, we do learn that he is like a well-regarded transplant surgeon, mm-hmm. and he's giving conferences about methods, methodology for transplants. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out he is doing experimentations not just on dogs, but also. On women who mm-hmm. he's kidnapping and trying to take their faces from. Exactly. Um, it's, oh God, it is such a good Frankenstein parallel. Yes. So um, Louise is kind of his Igor. Yeah. Right. Totally. Like she is the the number one assistant and henchman and she feels indebted mm-hmm. to uh, Dr. Genesia because he successfully did a facial transplant for her. Yeah. Um, and she, she's always wearing a a high and tight pearl choker because the only way it wasn't successful is that there's a scar or something on her her neck. neck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she is, uh, feels like she owes him, even though she does have a few moments throughout the movie where she's like, I can't do this anymore. Um, but everyone around the doctor is kind of under his horrible control. Yeah, totally. Everybody, everybody's kind of following his lead, but, um, he is also doing all of these surgeries and kidnapping these women because he feels so guilty about what he's done to his daughter. So like, there is like that human element where Mm -hmm. like, even though he is despicable, you still feel like, I understand why you're doing it. Even though what you're doing is so evil. Yeah. Which I feel like that is also, um, a, a character trait 
that has popped up in many, many, mm-hmm. uh, many, many a bad doctor movie. Oh, yeah, and a lot absolutely. of horror movies. Like, it really made me think of Pet Cemetery. Yeah, totally. Who, the, Lewis, the main character, <laughs> is a doctor. Yeah, totally. Uh, and out of grief and guilt, out of not being able to save his son, makes a horrible choice yep. and then keeps making them Just so can't stop making them a real a real classic it's often doctors it's often fathers um though because uh dr genicier is such a um like so rigid and controlling mm-hmm. uh and and is also in many ways holding his daughter captive mm-hmm. who's kind of just like i just want to die yeah totally um i find him less like yeah i don't really care anti-hero. about him hero yeah and, like he he's more of a villain than maybe some of these other yeah. complicated characters that have you know come after this yeah he's also not very charismatic like to look to look upon him is not like you know you don't see like a doting loving father you see somebody who is like exerting control over every element of his life yeah. and like feels guilt but like is not expressing it really yeah you know it's very much a like he's like i have to fix this thing which i messed up and also it's like part of his science like he's yeah. also doing it for the love of the game it seems yeah. like and of course there's big elements of like you know the role beauty plays in society Mm -hmm. and him like perpetuating and pushing that like his daughter like can't live unless she's beautiful you know which she doesn't seem to believe she said she even says she's my face scares me but my mask scares me more um but yeah. yeah, there's so then basically from there we get the iconic scene <laughs> where yes. we get to we get to both see Christiane's face for mm-hmm. the first time, but it's very hazy. It's she goes down into the basement lab where Edna has been shackled to the table, um, and like weeping goes and touches her face, mm-hmm. and Edna wakes up just enough to see her, and like you get like from her point of view a very hazy picture of Christiane's face, which is indeed very very messed, messed up, up. Yeah. <laughs> um and then from there so i like before i watched this movie i read like the first sentence of an essay and then was like okay wait before you read this watch the movie and like the sentence was basically like there's one scene in this movie where when you see it like you know people when it premiered in france everybody passed out and you'll yes. know it when you see it and i was watching it being like okay cool it's the scene where you see her face and then nope <laughs> it was not no. that so and so then what happens is Edna's passed out again and put under. Um, Christian is like under another, like on another table waiting to receive the transplant. And you get to watch as Dr. Genesier and Louise slice off Edna's face. You see the whole surgery. You see the whole surgery. And it looks very realistic. Yeah. Like it was very, I was like so shocked by how much it grossed me out. I was like, oh no, this looks very gross. I also learned that. But yeah, when it premiered at a film festival, people, like six people passed passed out. out, LOL. I mean, Um, (laughs) they always say that. I'm like, they didn't really, but. (laughs) But like, this is a really, this is early gore. Yeah. Like very early heavy gore. It is like, it looks incredibly good too. Like it is like extremely convincing. Yeah. There's very few cutaways during that scene too. Like, it's you just, you just watch, watch the whole the yeah. whole face gun, gotten taken off very gross <laughs> um and yeah and so they uh perform the transplant and initially they believe it to be a success mm-hmm. like um edna is all wrapped up in the basement and we we don't really see much of her for a minute but we're... no she she lives after the surgery mm-hmm. but they and they still have her kidnapped yeah and so we get to watch christiane who is who's been given a beautiful face again um, and she starts to think about like what she wants to do next with her life because she's like, well, I'm dead, but you know now I have this new lease on life. And her father's like, you should just go travel, and I'll make up some papers for you. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, sadly, as the days pass, we find out that the transplant is actually failing, and there's this incredible sequence where you get to see um, it's still photos of. Like progress shots of, of her progress healing. shots of her face feeling and of her face healing and the transplant slowly failing um while there's a commentary over it about like what's happening to the actual skin yeah and it's so good it's it so looks good. so good the face is rotting off <laughs> yeah her, totally essentially. um and yeah there's like so when we first see when the when the transplant seemed successful we see a dinner scene with christian and her father and Louise um and you know she has her face but she's clearly not 
really happy. Yeah, totally. Like, she really misses her fiance. Yeah, that's what she really wants us to be with Yeah, <laughs> who thinks that she's dead. Um, and her dad's like, isn't this going to be fun? You can have a new life. Yeah, a like, new don't name. worry about and she's it. she's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess so. She's like, like she's, can you tell Jacques about me, though? <laughs> she's clearly not trying. She's trying to be grateful, but, yeah. you know, she's, it's a pin complicated <laughs> yeah. I mean she I mean she knows that she has somebody else's face and that's what she says too she's like I don't recognize myself when I look in the mirror and mm-hmm. it's like yeah because it's not your face it's not your face yeah. um so poor Edna who has been uh living against her will in the basement pretends to be asleep when Louise comes in to deliver a meal to her and then whacks her over the head and escapes and this ho- the house is really amazing yeah. too like it's you know we spend so much time of the movie in the house and it's a massive mansion with like lots of staircases and like little rooms mm-hmm. and it's you know it's a pretty labyrinthian um and obviously secret labs in the basement yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah edna um tries to escape and unfortunately falls to her death it's hard to say if it is a purposeful suicide mm-hmm. or if she just falls yeah. falls um but yeah, so we lose Edna. Yep. And then, um, so this movie also has a classic horror trope, which is some bumbling cops yeah, oh my God, who are yeah. like really close to getting it right, but like somehow don't make it all the way in this really, in this very overtly dumb cop <laughs> way, you know, where I'm like, the rest of the movie is so tightly made yeah, that totally. it feels very intentional that these cops biff it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They're so very goofy. They are going to arrest this other girl that they find shoplifting. And then they're like, wait, 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 wait. We have another purpose for you. <laughs> These girls keep disappearing and uh, something's up. We think it's connected to this doctor. So we're going to send you into his hospital because you're a beautiful young woman. Mm-hmm. We're going to see if he notices you and, you know, tries yeah. to kidnap you. Yeah. She's like, I guess this is my only yeah. choice. <laughs> yeah. They manipulate her into doing it because yeah. they're like, well, we could take you to court or yeah. after they'd already dismissed her case. Yeah. She's, she's like, wait, what? <laughs> she's a sweet dum-dum yeah. and they're terrible cops. But so they, they make her bait in a trap. Um, and then when the trap works and she absolutely does get kidnapped, they, they're somehow just like... Well, she never. Uh, her mom says she never came home. So, but uh, but the but the doctor says that she just got on the bus. So I'm just we're just gonna believe him. It's, yeah, and like the, the <laughs> somehow they're suspicious of the doctor. Yet he they're also so under his control that when he's like, no, 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 she left here. Look, here's the receipt. Here's she, the receipt. She signed they're out. Like, oh, the receipt. <laughs> so sorry to bother you, sir. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> it's such a funny subplot because it does. Yeah, it doesn't matter at all. It like, does. Yeah, exactly. Which is why it feels like <laughs> such intentional bumbling yeah, police. Men. Totally. Um. So this this third girl, this third body that um I don't remember her name, but. She is uh, kidnapped and about to have her face taken when Christian, who's just simply had enough, goes down into the basement and unties her. She escapes and then uh, Christian releases all of the dogs who've been also kidnapped. Like yep. They live in the basement. Yeah. They're unhappy. There's a sweet scene earlier in the movie, too, where she goes down and she like, you know, pets the dogs and like cuddles the dogs because they're both very Caged. much in a yeah. similar position um so she releases the dogs who kill her father yep and she also bef- before she does that she kills louise also <gasps> i forgot yeah. about that <laughs> yeah. yes she stabs louise with the scalpel yes uh and so she dies and then as she's on her way out she releases all the dogs and the dogs all rush out mm-hmm. and tear her father apart yep and she releases a bunch of doves yep. and then the beautiful final scene of the movie is christian walking into the woods at night with all these like bright white doves and her bright white dress mm-hmm. and it's great it's beautiful yeah walking into the Ugh. the you know the wild woods yeah where creatures don't care what your face looks like it's, true. <laughs> it's got no place in human society yeah, it's so. time to move on yeah. yeah yeah it's so it's such a beautifully made movie i also like i was so struck by at the very beginning like i mean this is always true of older movies mm-hmm. that are in black and white but like the lighting is so precisely done that everything is so crisp and mm-hmm. like very clear to look like it's incredible how clear 
film is from 1960 where you're just like how does it look so good it looks so much better than movies made today and it's like it's just wild it's so yeah the whites alone are are so so, like the the white mask again her white dress walking into the woods because you know she is essentially a ghost yeah totally dead quite literally to the world yeah absolutely (laughs) Um, you know on paper um yeah this is a gorgeous movie. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. I also really loved the only other thing that I kind of read about it because I didn't end up actually reading that essay that I read the first sentence of no, to read anything. the rest of it. Um, the only other thing I saw about it and was like, oh yeah, of course, like absolutely, is that it. Um, it's kind of a. It was inspired by German expressionism in a big way, which I like absolutely see in the like mysterious dog lab in particular, like mm-hmm. his creepy dog kennel in the basement, where it's like all of these super like brutalist dog cages yes. and like these um incredibly like geometrical door frames that like extend back into like a maze like structure and it like yeah. it looks exactly like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari in this yep. way that's like so exciting and then like the rest of the house is just kind of regular but it's then, kind of baroque yeah but so then <laughs> you have this dark brutal basement yeah it's <laughs> such a fun contrast and I just yeah I really loved the look of this movie I mean it's like famous for it's iconic scenes but yeah. it is it's just like the entire movie looks so good and like yeah that crazy score whenever louise is on the screen and a girl is about to get kidnapped and it's like this creepy carnival music it's so good. <laughs> um i know i have in my notes too like so when we first see the doctor he is giving a speech in a very like very very baroque yeah, super um, baroque. and giving a speech to this is be- like Right in the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie when we still don't know about the things that he's doing. Um, and after his speech about the advances that he's making in transplants and skin grafts, there's a bunch of uh, very clearly wealthy older women that mm-hmm. are like, we're so wow. excited about yeah. the work you're doing. Totally. Like, the con- like, you know, clearly like. Like, I uh, would like to yeah, get a face transplant. Exactly. Like, I can have back my beautiful <laughs> Yeah, totally. And... Oh, my God. I completely forgot about that scene. Yeah. 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 Um, it's so fun. It's a really fun movie. It's also streaming for free right now on HBO. Yeah. And it's a part of the Criterion Collection. So it's pretty easy to find, which is really thrilling. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it just, like, looks great. It's such a, like, fun movie to watch. It's We've talked about this before, but... I always have that internal prejudice with black and white movies where when I go to start them, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be so boring. I know. I'm such an idiot. I know. I know. Me too. But I mean, there are plenty of boring black and white movies, just like there are plenty of boring color movies. But it is always thrilling to sit down and put one on and you're like, oh, yes, a masterpiece of the (laughs) of the genre. This movie is famous for a reason. It's very, very good. Um, The last thing I have in my notes about it is... uh, (laughs) You know, in the movie Face Off, how there's yes. a lot of dove imagery. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, Face Off, a direct descendant of Eyes Without a Face, like, literally. Is, is that maybe an Eyes Without a Face nod? I think it must. I mean, it's also like, how can you make a movie about removing Taking people's face faces without and having a lot of doves? In right. It. Like, it's definitely. It's gotta be. It's oh my god. Face Off is a great movie. It really is. Um. Yeah, I loved. 1960s Eyes Without a Face. I did too. I didn't do a lot of reading either on the director because. You know, sorry if you tuned in for that kind of information. Sorry. But. The only other thing I do know about him, his name is Georges Franjou. Mm. Uh, and he did found the Cinématique Française, oh. which is, I did not know what it is, but quote from the Criterion, uh, the most enduring and influential institution in French film culture. So he's a big guy, I guess. Oh. He was like kind of important. Honestly, I've never heard of the Cinématique Française, but they say it's important. <laughs> It sounds important. It sounds important. It's in French. It's French cinema. Um, Jenny, I am dying to know about where the bad doctors theme took you next. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about the movie I watched immediately after Eyes Without a Face, which full disclosure was yesterday. Yes. I watched Eyes Without a Face at like 11 a.m. and then at like 6 p.m. I watched this movie. Yes. I watched Extreme Measures from 1996. Oh, I am unfamiliar (laughs) And glad to be because I can't wait to hear about it. From you. Yes, this is a recommendation from my f- our friend, our friend, and friend of the show, real life doctor, uh, Doctor Alex. Stang. I was going to say, do we have any <laughs> sound bites from uh, fan of the show and real life Doctor Alex? Stang? I didn't get any sound bites, but I can tell you, I can't tell you what he thinks about extreme measures because he just he was like. 
you should watch that. But he didn't give me any information. The other movie I watched, I watched with him. So I can give you a little bit. But, okay. Um, Extreme Measures from 1996. It is written by Tony Gilroy and directed by Michael Apted, some guy. Um, it stars Hugh Grant as a funny <laughs> who knew he was here oh. as a doctor at a hospital in New York City who is really good. He's like, I think he's maybe even a resident. Like he's not quite um, like he's still kind of in the process of his education, but he is working the ER shifts and he's really, really good. Um, and so one night uh, two patients come in at the exact same time. One is a cop who has been shot, I think. And then the other one is an unhoused guy who has been like bitten by something. Uh It's really unclear what's happened to him, but he's not well. Um, And he makes the choice to, even though the guy who's unhoused has the worst injury and they only have one room available, he triages the cop to go into the private room and then leaves the unhoused guy in the ER and is immediately called out by it, or called out on it by Sarah Jessica Parker, who's also here. <gasps> SJP. <laughs> SJP. And actually the best role I've ever seen her in. I, like, I'm, I'm not really into her, but I actually really liked her in this movie. She was like, she was a totally good character and did great acting yes. and was like, very, I don't know, I really, I really liked Sarah Jessica okay. Parker in this movie. Okay. Um, but so, he... This is, it's not important that that happened. It just feels like a, a moral note that yeah. is sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's telling me a lot about those doctors. Yes, and so, but he immediately feels guilty about it and is like, I think you're right, like I shouldn't have done that. And so, the as the movie goes on, another guy comes into the ER who's this like older, naked guy who is found on the street. <laughs> um, and he... His like his pulse is high, his pulse is low. He like it's completely unclear what's happened to him. He has this really weird wound in the middle of his back, um, and Hugh Grant tries really hard to save him, but he can't do it. He dies on the table. So he realizes that another patient came in with very similar symptoms, also missing, and so he's like looking through the medical records for these two patients, and the medical records have been deleted. <gasps> Where have they gone? And so Hugh Grant's like, what the heck's going on here? And he starts, he's like a very good little doctor. So he's doing his research and he's asking around and people are like, you should stop looking into that. Oh, and he's like, "Mm, okay, that's weird. I'm going to keep looking more though, because you said that. (laughs) And so he gets really deep into like looking through these records and asking this other very well regarded doctor played by Gene Hackman. uh, What's going on with this weird patient I had who died? Oh, sorry. The other thing is that the body disappeared. The guy who died on the table, his body is gone. Ah. Like, so he went to go do like a spinal tap or something to figure out if something was wrong with him. And the body is just simply gone. (laughs) So all of these mysteries are really confounding him and upsetting him. And then he comes home one day and somebody has broken into his apartment and ransacked it and left behind a bag of Coke. And so the cops come to investigate the robbery and they find the Coke and they're like, oh. So you're on drugs, huh? Oh, you're one of those. Oh, kinds so you're of one doctors. of those guys. Yeah. So he immediately gets fired and loses his job and his ability to be a doctor ever again. Damn. And so is now like, okay, I have to find out what's going on because somebody planted that in my apartment. That yeah, was now, not mine. Now I'm free. <laughs> now, so. now I have to keep going. And so he, through a like kind of complicated series of events, he has a lot of relationships with unhoused people in the area and like who li- like live in Central Park and stuff because they come into the ER and so he has like a lot of experience with them and has relationships with them. So he meets this one guy who's a regular of his um, and is telling him and like asking him some questions about this other guy who's the second patient who's missing, who didn't, who isn't dead as far as he knows, but came in and had similar symptoms and um, lab work as the guy who died on him. So he's looking for that guy and his friend, the unhoused guy is like, I can get you to somebody who knows what's going on with him. And connects him with another guy who they call the mole. Ah, of course. <laughs> who leads Hugh Grant into the basement sewer below subway lines of uh, whatever, yes. Grand Central or something. Yes. He, he goes like digging around in all of the, the subway lines and into the sewers and underneath all of the scary stuff underneath New York City. Um, and finds a community of unhoused people who all are living together. And they have the missing patient. And he goes and he's like, he has the same scary wound on his back. And he's also like 
he needs to be in a hospital right now because he's about to die. Yeah. And he has like these same weird symptoms that this other guy had who showed up on his table. But as he's taking he and some of the other people who live down there are taking this mysterious second patient out to the street. Two cops show up and uh, cause chaos and kill uh, the people who he's with and the patient. And so Hugh Grant has to run away. And there's an incredibly funny scene where he runs directly out of subway. <laughs> it's the silliest scene in the movie because he has to jump to the side. And it's a very weird shot because yeah. it's very early CGI. Oh, it doesn't look very oh good. No. Um, but so he uncovers this mystery, which is this is revealed in the trailer. So I think it's fine to tell you because you kind of know immediately that something mysterious is going on. And it's just the experience of watching Hugh Grant uncover it. Yeah. That Gene Hackman, this renowned doctor who Hugh Grant has looks up to, is actually uh, doing experimental surgeries on unhoused people, taking pieces of their spinal cord and trying to infuse them into um, people's bodies, people who are paraplegic, basically, like trying to take these healthy spinal cords and putting them into spinal cords that don't work to try and like do a transplant. To make people who cannot walk walk again. Oh my god! It's I'm sorry. That's like kind of a weird way of just. This is the first time no, that no, I'm summarizing no, this movie. No, no, so I, I, I got it, it and I am like <laughs> on the edge of my seat. Yeah, <laughs> it's thrilling. And so, like, you learn that there's this whole conspiracy where there's all of these patients who are waiting for this experimental surgery, and they know about, they know what Gene Hackman is doing. Oh my god! But they're in it anyway. <laughs> and okay, the twist, the twist, is that Sarah Jessica Parker is one of them. <gasps> Because her brother is in a wheelchair because she, much like Dr. Genesier, was driving drunk and she got into an accident and her brother broke, I don't know, like lost, severed his spinal cord or something. Yeah. Unclear exactly what happened, but he's in a wheelchair. And so she feels really insanely guilty about it and is like, and enrolled him in this program and is helping Gene Hackman. And it's oh like, my oh God. my God, I thought I could trust you, Sarah. But I couldn't trust you at all. I, you made it seem like I could trust you from the beginning. From the beginning, when you were like, oh, I can't believe you triaged the cop over the other guy. And you were like, wow. dang, Sarah. And I mean, that's a, a taste of her character development to come is that she does have a good heart. But she, ooh, she got in uh, way over her head. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Um, and so Extreme Measures has a lot of uh, fun, weird set pieces in it. It's like not an amazing movie, but... It's it's one of those ones that's like because it's a blockbuster from 1996, it still is like better than a lot of movies that come out now. I'm like, like going to watch it tonight. It just sounds like the kind of movie I want to watch. It's so fun. It's like exactly what you want when you are just like, God, I want like a kind of a cheesy, yep. weird thriller. Yep. It's so fun. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's delightful. Extreme Measures. It's also like the trailer. I watched the trailer like weeks ago so i don't fully remember it but i do remember it like revealing it like gene hackman was like making monsters in the basement that's not what he's doing he's just doing like experiments yeah but like draw me in yeah sure, no it worked sure. i was like oh my god i can't wait to see these like weird like sewer creatures and then it's like there's no sewer creatures it's just damn it. it's just people for a second <laughs> when you were describing this movie to me like you know when you have a little snippet of a memory from mm -hmm. childhood of a movie and you've spent your whole life trying to figure yes, out what it is absolutely <laughs> so I have a memory if you're listening out there maybe you know what I'm talking about and you can dm us on instagram at dim the lights with Jenny and Amanda yes, oh my god this is such a good way to use this service I have been thinking about it a lot yes. lately uh, about using our show to do this <laughs> yes movie detectives um I've tried very hard to figure out what this is so when I was a little kid, I was, and this could be from a TV show, which is right. kind of why like we're not starting off in a good place. <laughs> um, I was watching my mom watch TV yes. as a kid and she was watching something about like, you know, doctors, whatever, or maybe pathologists and like all these bodies keep turning up with this kind of like, kind of like smallpox, va smallpox vaccine looking scar mm -hmm. on their, or, um, mark on mm -hmm. their arms like almost like a circle and a dot in the middle like a mm -hmm. cootie shot <laughs> <laughs> circle circle dot dot yeah exactly <laughs> um and all I remember and it's like a woman trying to figure out what's up because all mm -hmm. these people are dying and her I remember seeing the scene where it's like a moment of realization where she sees a poster for vaccines and she's like is it being delivered and like 
a vaccine uh-huh. or like something which right. nowadays feels like propaganda oh no yeah <laughs> but back but in then. the early 90s i don't yeah. think that was a thing <laughs> yeah. as much um so if you know what that is like again this woman she's on a phone she's looking at a poster <laughs> of a kid getting a vaccine and she's like oh my oh whoever's on the phone is like what if this is being given to people as like something that we're told we need. Uh, totally. I know it's got, I mean, that is the same as, um, it's, I like that is such a fascinating, um, like plot device yeah. that you see all the time. And it's always really interesting because it's also something that people do in real life, which yes, is very, very scary. Of course, exactly. Um, like, uh, like, cause that's the, uh, the title of the movie extreme measures is like, like Gene Hackman has this line where he's like, you know, these people who like meaning, the homeless people that he's yeah. kidnapping and um like experimenting, experimenting on well. he's like he's like they're not victims they're heroes because you know yeah, this some real nazi yeah s-h-i-t exactly yeah, exactly because <laughs> he's like i am like he's like i'm like 70 years old you know like going from like in five years if i'm lucky i can go from like uh you know rats to monkeys and then if i'm lucky after that like or like dogs to monkeys or something yeah. like he's like i can't we have to speed this up the extreme measures are worth it and it's yeah. like you're no, not right you're, you're not, not right. right yeah it has definitely some weird um politics vis-a-vis like uh, quality of life for people in wheelchairs which is like not of great course. Of course. Um, but it is like pretty humane towards uh the unhoused which i was impressed by it's definitely a little bit like oh aren't they scary and then it's like no they're good no. which is like okay all right mm-hmm. very 1996 yeah yeah we can only ask for so much exactly. of the past but uh but it was very tasty i really enjoyed it oh, really enjoyed so the flick hugh grant so i've really come around in a big way on and i like him even when he's young now i know i love him so much i, know. I love him so much ever since like what was the one that you watched with young him in it? I don't know. Well, I watched Lair of the White Worm. Yes. Oh, God, I love Lair of the White Worm. That was maybe yeah, it. Yeah, that it was, was probably yeah, it. Him yeah, and Lair of the White Worm and then him and like Bitter Moon, which I've never finished. Yeah. It's like a weird Polanski movie that I kind of hate, but I also love young Hugh Grant. No, now that I think of young Hugh, Hugh Grant as like Twinkie instead of Smarmy, it really like took me, it took me there. Yeah, know? exactly. Like, just, like, he was like boxed into being Smarmy I know. because j- much like early aughts Matthew McConaughey where they were like, you're a romantic lead. Yeah. Like, let's do this. Like, just and, let like, him be weird. <laughs> Americans love British guys. Yeah, it's totally. Like... <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's Extreme Measures. Very, very fun. Um, you have to rent it, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure you have to rent it. So we don't have a ton of time left, and I'm really dying to hear about the movie that you watched with a fan of the show and real life doctor, Alex Tang. So maybe I'll just tell you super quick. Yeah, I mean, mine will be super quick, too. So like, please okay. take your time. I watched two other movies. Yes. I'm going to um, choose one over the other. I, the two movies I watched are 1990s Flatliners yes. and a movie called The Dentist, which is a oh Brian, <laughs> Brian Usna movie. It's a horror movie about a dentist who loses his marbles. Um, it's great. Uh, I was terrified of the cover in the in the movie store mm-hmm. as a kid, especially the cover of The Dentist 2. I know I'm going to look that up right now because it sounds so scary. Um, it wasn't that good, but it oh. was but it was also great. It yeah, was totally. So fun to watch. Um, but I'm here to talk about 1990s Flatliners. Yes, <laughs> because I have never seen Flatliners. It is a movie. Okay, so The Dentist is from 1996. Just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the covers are scarier I, than the movie. I just looked them up and I was like, yeah, the dentist tooth cover is extremely scary. Yeah, it's I, very, very I scary. Like, I don't like looking at know, it. When Danny is like in The Shining mm-hmm. is like freaking out and he's like quaking <laughs> and his little bowl cut yeah. is shivering. That's like what I would do in front of the yeah. movie cover. Yeah, I understand. It's very horrible. <laughs> um, okay. Flatliners. Yes. Many people have told me that this movie is not good. And I'm here to say they we're correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> Heartbreaking. <laughs> this movie is a Joel Schumacher movie. Um, it is about a group of uh, five med students. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Kiefer Sutherland. We got William Baldwin. We got Kevin Bacon. We have um, Julia Roberts and... Oliver Platt yes. looking really cute. Yes. Um, and also Kevin Bacon looks really cute. <laughs> so it's five medical students. Um, and they, the movie wastes no time jumping right into the fact that they all have a plan to explore what is beyond death by purposefully 
flatlining and bringing them each other back from the dead. Mm-hmm. So Kiefer Sutherland is the one who's, whose idea it is, who's the one spurring it on and is like, I'm, I'm doing this. And some of them are kind of waffling like the night of, they're like, mm-hmm. I don't know this, this is crazy. I don't really want to kill you. Yeah. And he's like, Psh, I'm doing it, whatever. <laughs> but they go through with it. Kiefer Sutherland goes first. He's, uh, I think a minute, he's like de- le- officially dead for a minute before they bring him back. Um, and he experiences like we don't really know the significance of what we see Mm -hmm. him seeing it's like children running in a field there's something a little sinister about it unsure but when he wakes up he's like i feel amazing i can like hear something that's like miles away um and then he starts to see some really messed up shit like a childhood dog like limping along the street which all right i'll get to the sets of this movie later um (laughs) so even though everyone is really freaked out by these experiments each of them, like their their hesitance is is overpowered by their competitiveness, because like they're like I don't know I don't know if we should do this. And then Julia Roberts like really wants to do it. And she's like I'm gonna go for a minute and a half. And then someone else is like minute fifty. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> like an auction. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, William Baldwin goes next. He is a real bad guy who has been. He's he's engaged, but he's been cheating on his fiance a lot, and he secretly videotapes the <gasps> women that he sleeps with. Ugh. And so when he dies and comes back, what he sees when he dies is like a bunch of hot ladies, and he's like, "It was nice. Like there was kind of a maternal energy to it." Um, but then he starts seeing the videos that he's been secretly taking. Ever to wrap this up, everybody <laughs> who goes sees something that they're really guilty about Mm, from their past, mm -hmm. which is so boring. (laughs) Um, And then Kevin Bacon finds out that all you have to do is atone and process your guilt. (laughs) And you'll be fine. (laughs) Exactly. Um, The sets in this movie are really, really trippy and weird. Mm. Like it almost like they're really, really for a plot that could be really interesting and cool. And like, like, like kind of like veer into i don't know the 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 sets have a fantasy element that like makes it even harder to believe or like get into the story yeah totally all of the characters are disbelievable or like i don't know if they're friends or not right (laughs) um they don't seem to like each other i don't know why they're doing this together um the sets are really cool. They just like seem really they out of line sense. with this yeah. movie. It's like like dark city kind yeah, of like totally. It's like nobody else seems to exist in this city right. and like everything is lit in like pink and blue yeah, like, and there's fog machines everywhere. It's scary afterlife, but it doesn't yeah. have any like But this is like in right, totally. not afterlife. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> what is like, this what? weird city Why? where like maybe 20 people live? Right. Like, <laughs> Um, also their med school is like a giant old church. So oh, like everything in the med school cool. is like really broke. Yeah, totally. Uh, and there's religious paintings everywhere. Yeah. And it's, I had fun watching flatliners. It is kind of extremely boring as yeah. well, but like worth the watch. I know it's one of those movies that I've seen like probably 40% of on cable, yeah. like in different pieces. And I've never seen all of it all the yeah. way through in part because people are always like, it's not very good. No. Um, and I also, I really like when the, they did a remake of it a couple of years ago, I which I was like, that looks like, fun, but it does. I heard it's not very good. I heard either. it's like worse. Yeah. Which than. I'm like, how did you do that? I know. <laughs> I was like, what an opportunity to make a better version of this movie. It's a really fun concept. Yeah, it could so be fun. really cool. Yeah. But somehow they just really make it, yeah again it's like i loved the the vibe of the set yeah was so cool the design was cool but it just didn't make sense yeah for the story such a bummer and then the story just really started out strong and then just got so limp yeah it's like such a great premise for like an x-files episode yeah you know it's like why can we just have that somebody just like make a nice tight little 80 minute version of flatliners yeah. that's perfect i'm gonna remake flatliners again yes, for dude. a third time it's time it's time to get it right this time it's time to get flatliners it's time to right. get um to flatline and then come back better than before yes yes <laughs> justice for flatliners yes. <laughs> um jenny i okay. need to okay, hear okay, about okay. this movie i'm gonna tell you about it it's so it's gonna be so quick and easy because i can't tell you the twist i'm just gonna tell you the beginning you it's have a movie to tell me the twist. i'm not gonna tell you the twist because i don't want to okay it's a movie called awake 
I already told you about Awake from 2007, but I haven't told the listeners. So uh, I watched Awake with a bunch of my friends, including uh, my friend who's a real life doctor, um, because it stars Hayden Christensen and Jessica Alba (laughs) is the reason that we watched it. It's directed by a guy named Joby Harold, which I think is insanely (laughs) funny. (laughs) Joby. Um, It also stars Terrence Howard. Um, Hayden Christensen is a little rich boy whose mom is very, very fancy. Um, And he, I can't remember what his job is. I think he's just like a philanthropist or something. Oh, classic rich person job. (laughs) But he's dating Jessica. I also watched this like a month ago, so my memory of it's not great. But he's dating Jessica Alba in secret because his mommy doesn't approve because Jessica Alba is her personal She's poor. And she's poor, but primarily because she's um, her... his mom's personal assistant, which is like, yeah, it's not great. No. Um, but so Hayden Christensen, they have like a very like, you know, steamy romance. Um, and it opens with the two of them. Like they're so playful and fun. They love each other so much. Um, but Hayden Christensen has a heart defect, which means that he is on the list for heart transplant because he could drop dead at literally any moment is basically what the movie implies to us. Um, and so his friend, Terrence Howard, is a doctor and a surgeon because he, at some point in his life earlier, Hayden Christensen like had a heart attack or something, presumably related to his heart defect. And Terrence Howard is the one who brought him back. And so they have a very close relationship. One night, they get a call while he's hanging out with Jessica Alba and um, proposes to her and is like, let's get married. Even though my mommy doesn't approve, we're going to tell her about you. It's going to be great. Um, they tell his mom... And she's like, this isn't great, but (laughs) she's not into it. But then they immediately get a call from Terrence Howard saying, we have uh, a like somebody just died. We have the heart here ready to go. You have to get here right now where I have your heart. But if you're not here in the next 10 minutes, it's not yours anymore. So he gets there. Here's what the movie is really about. Kind of. This is like just a tool that the movie uses. Yeah. They're like robbing him, right? Well, no, 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 not there yet. Sorry, Amanda, slow down. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The movie, the premise of the movie Awake is: what if you were put under anesthesia, but you weren't really asleep? That's the premise of the movie Awake. And hear me so, out. Hear me out. What if <laughs> it's, it opens with like the statistic that's like you know I can't remember what the number is exactly, and Alex is like I'm not sure if that number is right. It's like you know millions of Americans are put under anesthesia every year like 30,000 of them aren't really asleep or something Ah. like that. Um, And so Hayden Christensen is put under. However, he is awake the entire time and we get to hear his like his um, commentary over it as his chest is cut open and his ribs are broken to access his heart. And then his heart is cut out and removed. And he just can feel the pain. Oh, yeah. He's screaming. He is screaming and screaming and he keeps going into his mind palace to escape the pain. Um and so, do you really want to hear the twist? Yes. Okay, so the whole time you're like, oh my God, like Jessica Alba loves him so much. She's been caring for him this whole time. Like she's trying to get the surgery for him. She like carries around his medication for him because he's so forgetful. And then it turns out she used to work at this hospital. And we also find out that Terrence Howard has like three malpractice cases open against him right now. Oh, no, no. And, and that's why Hayden Christensen's mom has been like, I wish she would go to a different doctor. Oh, wow. And he's like, mom no, is not a villain. Mom is not a villain. Mom, it, she seems like a villain at the beginning, but then it turns out she's actually really good. And she really can't. She's the only one who's like smart in this movie. Because um, it turns out that Jessica Alba is a part of some of those malpractice cases. And so she and Terrence Howard and the two other people on the surgery team are all going to kill Hayden Christensen on purpose. And then Jessica Alba will inherit all of his money because they'll have been married. And that's how they will pay off all of their malpractice debt because they have an insane amount of it. However, they get caught, obviously. Yes. Um, and it's very fun. It's like not a very good movie, but it's really entertaining. It's like exactly what you want it to be yeah. for that plot. Um, yeah. Everybody's great. Uh, Hayden, the woman who plays Hayden Christensen's mom, I don't remember what her name is, is like incredibly hot. She's really beautiful. Jessica Alba, also incredibly beautiful yeah, in that movie. Yeah, of course. We love Alba. We love Alba. We miss you. Um, we miss you. Come we back. You come Where back. are you? Oh, what are you doing? Oh, um, but yeah, that was it was really fun to watch it with the doctor, though, because he kept being we would, we would all ask, like, do you think that's realistic? And he'd be like, could be. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which is very oh. was also very doctor of him to be like, I can't comment on that. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. Okay, so we have like just about a minute left. Jenny, I want to ask you. Yes. What's the scariest kind of doctor? Ooh, probably an anesthesiologist. I feel like that is, now that I'm thinking about being put under, it's very scary. They have yeah. a lot of power over you. I think for me, I'm going to go with, the, the, call, call me basic, but uh, plastic surgeons. Oh, yeah. Plastic surgeons are really scary. And I think they, you know, they make it really easy to be scared of them because like, what they do can be seen on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> so they can disfigure you. They have a lot of, I mean, doctors look like somebody else. <laughs> yeah. It's really true. What you were saying earlier. It's like doctors have so much power. It's so crazy. It's, it's so just scary. a trust fall every time. Oh God. Ah. <sighs> but it's okay. They're mostly good. I think. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Find a good one. <laughs> Find a good one. <laughs> this has been dim the lights with Jenny and Amanda. We love you so much. We'll see you soon. Bye.